0: were 206.
1: 206. on ritual
2: on shape I think. yeah that's where, I that's where I am so so what we're about to do is to is to
0: consider the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and how that
3: gives shape to our lives And so he has talked about ritual and talked about the ritual of the Passover Seder and talked about the ritual of the Lord's Supper. And so now he's going to go a bit deeper into uh, the shape of ritual as well as the shape of of the life of the Christian. Um, And then... As we go through several verbs, then we're going to go to maybe the shape of mission as we go to hospitality. So, so I, I am in the middle of page 206 under shape. Dom, I'm thinking that's Dominic Gregory Dix, an Anglican monk in England, presented a paper in August of 1941 that brought the phrase, the shape of the liturgy into prominence among us. He did not discover this quote shape. Others before him had noted the elements, but he explored the implications and associations more extensively than anyone had previously, creating a stunning piece of scholarly work. He observed that there is a fourfold shape to the Eucharistic meal, both as commanded in our scriptures and as practiced ever since in the church. Four verbs take, bless, or thank, break, and give, shape the supper. This is Saint Mark's record <clears throat> record of the supper. Quote. <clears throat> and as they were eating, he took labone, bread, and blessed, eulogesis.
4: Now, what does that Greek word look like to you? Eulogy.
3: Eulogy.
4: Eulogy. Logic.
3: Eulogy. 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 Yeah. So, so E-U, when you see E-U in Greek, or E-U in English, it usually means good. Mm. And and, and Logos means? Word, the word. Right. So we're talking about good words or, or, or thanking uh, for receiving. <coughs> so it's an acknowledgment that God is, as we sing in the doxology, the one from whom all blessings flow. So if we have a blessing, to whom should praise be given? The giver. So, so again, so Ulu, Ulu gets us and broke ek lasing. So again, ek. When you talk about something having ek, again, you're Greek. You talk about an an ectomorph or ectoplasma. What a, what other ectos are there? uh exoskeleton okay. what what is any of that stuff about it's about what's outward
2: outside yeah
3: so so you give out so again the church is again drawn the name of the church comes from this word ecclesia we talk about ecclesiastic is that we are we are the sent out ones so here he broke it and then gives it so he gives it out so we have took bread blessed and broke and gave it to them saying take this is my body and he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank of it and he said to them this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Mark 14, to 24. And then he says, sends, sends you to the parallels in Matthew and Luke. But these four verbs, take, bless, break, and give, occur in the same sequence in the stories of the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Feeding the 5,000... We read, and taking Labon, the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed Ulogeson, and broke Klasas, no, no E, but Klasas, the loaves and gave it, Edokain, gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Mark six forty one and parallels. And the feeding of the 4,000. Quote, and he commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took a labain, the seven loaves, and having given thanks, Eucharist, from which we get Eucharist, he broke a classin, them, and gave them a dido to his disciples to set before the people. Mark 8, 6, and parallels. St. John's narration of the feeding of the 5,000 adds considerably more detail, including Jesus saying, I am the bread of life discourse, but the verbal pattern is the same. Except for the omission of broke, quote, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, Eucharistasis, he distributed them. They do He distributed them. So... John 6.11 St. Luke includes another meal in his gospel, the supper at Emmaus, with the identical verbs in the same sequence. Quote When he was at table with them, he took labon, the bread, and blessed eulogason, and broke classus, it, and gave epididio, gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Luke 24, 30 and 31. Years after Jesus had been host at these meals, St. Paul wrote to his troubled and fractious Corinthian congregation. One major area of trouble was the disorder around the eating of the Lord's Supper. In his rebuke and correction, St. Paul uses the same verbs that the gospel writers would place in their narratives. Quote, For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a laban bread. And when he had given thanks, Eucharistasis, he broke it, a classic, and said, quote, this is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way. Also, the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me End quote for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 to 26. The final verb used by the gospel writers, give, does not occur here, but is clearly implied. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul give us accounts of Jesus feeding the thousands, the twelve, and the two. Using the verbs take, bless, break, and give to structure the supper by which we remember and proclaim Christ and salvation. Quote, give thanks is twice used as a synonym for the second verb, bless, quote unquote. Early on in the Christian community, worship took on this Eucharistic fourfold shape that has continued ever since. So let's pause there for a little bit. Angelo, you got any ponderings you want to discuss? No. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I find find
4: this very interesting, but I don't know what to make of it yet. Okay.
3: Okay. Anybody else? It's just, I mean, right now, it just
4: seems like a. A a ritual uh, that may have benefits. I mean, in terms of an application to us, it may yes. be a, a ritual which may have benefits for us. I don't know. Well,
2: well, a, yeah, yeah, go ahead. ahead. I say go it's ahead. a ritual that ties the Passover and Jesus, uh, uh, and the feeding of the four and five. I mean, it, it ties everything together. Including, uh, you know that it was take, bless, break, and give. It's a it's a rhythm. Yes, of, uh, of how we are to right. take and give thanks, and and then give break and give to others.
3: Right. Yeah, I think too one of the, you know one of the things that as Gentile Christians we need to strive to keep together what our Jewish sisters and brothers would have kept together because they couldn't imagine it any other way, and that is that
0: the Lord's Supper is the new covenant manifestation of the Passover
3: Seder. It occurred in that context. As Jesus begins to do this, he says, how I have longed to celebrate this Passover with you. So again, he is mindful of celebrating the Passover, but he's also mindful. And this is the only place that this language is used of ratifying in his own body and blood the new covenant that Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 kind of anticipate. Is that the
0: old covenant is going to be replaced with a new covenant, a better covenant. And that instead of the blood of bulls
3: and goats or lambs, the Lamb of God, Jesus, would offer His body and blood to take away the sin of the world. But Sarah, your point I think is so important for us is that is that again He feed who does He feed when He feeds the five thousand?
1: His followers.
3: Disciples. No. Yeah.
2: Well, um, the disciples
3: 5,000 is, is Jewish people, right? Yeah. Jewish people. Oh, yeah. And and where is he? Galilee. Yeah, yeah, he's at the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And then when he feeds the four thousand, who is he? Who is he giving it to?
2: Gentiles.
3: Exactly. Over in the Decapolis,
0: mm-hmm.
3: on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. And so. What's the shocking thing that happens? How does Jesus treat Gentiles? The same as he treats the Jews. A big deal. There you go. Bingo. And the other thing that he invites Gentiles into is that Jews saw eating as a sacred exercise. Is that whenever you ate, you didn't bless the food. You blessed God for giving the food, And so it was an acknowledgment of our dependence on God's provision that what we have to eat has been provided by the Lord of the covenant who loves us and demonstrates his love in giving us food for the day, our daily bread, just as he did for 40 years in the wilderness. What did he do for Israel? He <laughs> fed Kept them alive. He kept them through the... Yeah, yeah. with with bread from heaven. Yeah. There was no bread. So, Again, as they made their way to the promised land, God fed them himself every day or gave them provision for two days for the Sabbath. So the day before Sabbath, on Friday, they would collect two days' work. And then they wouldn't have to collect it on the Sabbath day. But they would have... Food to eat. So, again, I think this this sense that that every meal we eat is an acknowledgement that God has provided. And it's also an acknowledgement or an opportunity for us to look to God and be grateful. Is that, you know, when I tell you he loves you more than you know, all you got to do is look at your cereal bowl it's a reminder that he he's thinking about you and he knows what you need and will provide it for you. So, so that's why we pray. We don't bless the food. We bless the God who gives the food. So actually,
2: actually the old little grace, God is great. God is good. And we thank him for this food. By his yeah. hands, all are fed. Give us Lord our daily bread is really, I mean, uh, right. And it's good theology though. Yeah right and because it is blessing god and and for saying where you're getting the food from That's
1: you right. know what i also find interesting is with all of my jewish friends especially up in new york we go to a party or whatever and they would look at me and they would say oh vicky jews eat they don't drink and i i thought they were kidding but but i'm serious many of most of my jewish friends take food very seriously yes in jewish families food is a big deal and i yes. guess I don't it's very secular now, but I wonder if it relates to this, you know, that it has been traditionally um,
3: centerpiece for them. That's right. No, exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. And that,
3: that eating together again caused great trouble in the Christian church and for Jesus. Who did he get in trouble because he ate with? The Jews.
2: Got in yeah. trouble with
3: that's the Jews, that's 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 the Jews for eating with us. And prostitutes. He oh, had that's that's right. Yeah, he had table fellowship with these right. scandalous people and welcomed them as brothers and sisters to his table. And and the the righteous people were freaking out. What kind of a rabbi is that? And then when he treated Gentiles of all people. The same way he treated Jews, again, it's like, what the heck is going on here? So, so the table, Vicki, you're exactly right, the table fellowship is a very big deal. And the provision of food is a very big deal. But also the cup of wine is a big deal. Is that, you know, you drink the cup of wine, which is associated with celebration and remembrance. And so you drink not to forget, but you drink to remember. And yeah, so
4: uh, pastor, but, just uh, I, I don't remember when when he fed the uh, the four thousand and the couples were any were they converted? Were any converted then?
3: Well, you know he doesn't he doesn't tell us that, but I think one of the things that you have as as a recollection is. Who's the first Gentile that Jesus rescues?
2: The Meriden woman.
3: No.
4: The uh, uh-huh. on the cross the the, the uh, no
2: uh-huh. woman at the well. Uh,
3: Gentile.
2: Oh, Gentile. Uh- the
3: crazy dude in the graveyard.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, over oh, at yeah. the capitalist. Yeah, the crazy
3: <laughs> demon. He's on the Gentile side He's of the lake. Yeah. And you got the naked, crazy man who's running around in a cemetery. Now, can you, can you imagine a less likely place for a Jewish rabbi to go?
0: <laughs>
3: you know, it's—but uh, it's, uh, so he, but he goes there specifically to meet the guy that is called Legion in Mark's gospel. And he's called Legion because he's possessed by so many okay. demons— And and he takes a guy that has been restrained, but is so strong under demonic influence that chains can't hold him and and puts him in his right mind. And what's the guy's response? What does he want to do?
2: Evangelizes, he goes and tells everybody.
3: Oh, he does, but what does he want to do? He wants to go with Jesus. Oh, okay. And Jesus tells him, no, you stay here And do just the opposite he had his first exorcism takes place in capernaum in the synagogue of all places and he casts a demon out of a guy in the jewish synagogue but what does he tell the demons and the guy don't tell anybody but this guy on the other side of the lake he says tell everybody because Messiah means different things in different neighborhoods. And so in the Jewish neighborhood, in the synagogue, it sounds revolutionary and military. And Jesus does not want to start a military revolt or a militia. But when he's on the Gentile side of the lake and they see a guy's life transformed, he does want to point back to the God of Israel and say, that the promises of Isaiah's prophecy, that God would accept Jews as Jews and Gentiles as Gentiles in one family is gonna take place and has started right here in your neighborhood, in your town. The kingdom has come. All of his signs are intended to show that the kingdom has been inaugurated. It has begun. May not be here in its fullness, but it certainly has started. And these are the signs of the arrival of the kingdom. And again, when, when John the Baptist got concerned that Jesus may not be the, the Messiah he was looking for, what's Jesus' statement to him? Tell John what?
0: Hmm.
3: The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. Isaiah 35. And so, you know, the kingdom, the rescue of God, the ending of Israel's exile, God's return to make his home with his people has begun in me. And that's what John needs to know, is that, you know, you may lose your life, but it's not because God is not in control or has failed to keep his promises. So... So again, I think this this whole remarkable table fellowship matter, the importance of food shared together with people that you would expect, but particularly people you wouldn't expect, is a sign that the kingdom has come. So, I uh,
4: I would you have, you have a way of putting the Bible together, Pastor. You know.
3: so i would have you look in i think start at isaiah 56 and uh and see if you can find some other jew gentile kind of recoveries uh where he's going to put these things together so because because jesus knows the bible pretty good So again, everything he says and everything he does ought to make everybody in this group itchy to find out, now, where do I find that in the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. Why does he say what he says? Why does he do what he does? And where do I find it in the Old Testament? That's always the question I want lurking in your mind. So. I want you to have a lurking mind (laughs) so so now we're going to start with the first verb take take jesus takes what we bring in implicit in his taking is our offering we offer what we have from the world of creation from fields and rivers and seas our onions and fish our bread and wine, our goats and sheep, the five
0: barley loaves and two fish that an unnamed
3: boy handed over to Jesus for the feeding of the 5,000, John 6, verse 9. The simple meal Cleopas and friend, I think wife, I think it was Mrs. Cleopas, set out for Jesus in the village of Emmaus. The fresh fish, the seven disciples caught in the Sea of Galilee that Jesus included in his resurrection breakfast for them on the beach in John twenty one ten. There are always some among us who want to separate out to distill the, quote, spirituality, unquote, of life from the material, leaving an essence of pure soul. But these offerings that Jesus takes are emphatically material the widow giving her might Luke 21 1 to 4 a nearly worthless piece of metal was cited by Irenaeus he's like a fourth century bishop in like Lyon France I think south of France <clears throat>
0: yeah
3: where did I go I just lost it was cited by, by Irenaeus,
1: by Irenaeus.
3: I was looking for Irenaeus, but I've lost it on the page here.
1: It's at the top. Yep. First paragraph.
2: So look for Luke. I can't hear me. Sheepers, a nearly
3: worthless piece of metal cited by Irenaeus as evidence of the sacred preciousness of the material in the economy of salvation. But the offering is also emphatically personal. It is us our sins, our virtues, everything we are, even when it's not much. Quote, there you are upon the table, unquote, said Augustine to his newly confirmed communicants. Quote, there you are in the chalice, unquote. We offer and he takes. He refuses nothing of who we are And what we have done. This offering, the offertory, that Jesus takes from us is the first movement of the Eucharist. It sets salvation in an ambience of sheer acceptance. God receives us and what we bring to him just as we are. God does not extort God does not exploit us. God does not force us. He takes only what we offer. Quote, coercion is no attribute of God. Those of us who are used to, quote, making our children or students or employees perform or behave or appear in certain prescribed ways, quote, for their own good, have a particularly difficult time with us. But what is sometimes appropriate with our children and others until they have internalized moral habits and responsible behaviors is not a precedent for the way God treats us. He reveals himself as our Savior in Christ. He surrounds
0: us with a a bountiful creation. He brings us
3: to his cross, he invites us to his table and he takes what we offer him and uses it as stuff for salvation. At every table we sit down to, we bring first of all, and most of all, ourselves. And Jesus takes it, takes us. So there's that, that move from the sacramental or the sacrament to the sacramentalness of life itself is that there isn't a sacred and secular split, but everything is in fact religious. Everything we do, you know, I think about this when I mow the grass. You know, it's like it doesn't feel like a religious activity, but it is. What was, was the monk that used to? Wash dishes and State Lawrence, Lawrence yeah. yeah, exactly, yep, and and he did it for Jesus. He right. washed
0: dishes for Jesus. Right. And uh, same thing with us when we
3: when we cook a meal, when we clean the dishes, when we clip the hedge, when we edge the driveway, when we go to work, when we. the mail everything we do we do as unto him it is that our life is a religious activity and and we struggle i think or at least i do to keep that vision before me is that you know i do religious stuff and i do what feels like non-religious stuff and and that, that's bad theology as opposed to Sarah's good theology of the children's blessing. Is that my daily bread is a religious moment if I have eyes to see and ears to hear. So, so again. Can
4: I, can I, can I stop for a second? I'm, I'm, know, having, I'm having a music. I think okay. it's a it's a tangential musing, but it's a Um In our church, yes, there's been um, uh, a lot of discussion uh, about uh, taking meals, yes, uh, have, having meals with with friends and 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 using it as a, a context for introducing people to Jesus or talking about Jesus or yes. Uh, the whole having of meals let's come together in small groups and have meals together and so on and so forth something which i've kind of poo-pooed yes uh, yes may, maybe not so much um, uh externally but certainly in my own mind you know may, that maybe may have worked in other cultures uh that may have uh, may work today in other countries and other cultures but but i don't see having meals together as as a way of of encouraging um fellowship with christ let's just put it that way mm-hmm. um but but we read here and vicky and vicky and, Vicki and i last night as we did a bible study read about um uh pentecost yes uh, and, and one of the things we learned about pentecost how did it change the disciples one of the ways it changed the disciples is by them having meals together that's so right remember that? Picky, one of the you know seven predominant ways to change the disciples, they would have meals together. Um, I'm wondering if there's something there that I'm that I'm missing. I, I'm just I'm just thinking that in our society and our culture specifically, in mine, particularly in mine, it's just not a big deal. You know, we we eat we eat out sometimes we eat in sometimes we order out sometimes we order in. It just doesn't seem to be a big deal.
3: Well, can I disagree with you? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm looking for a disagreement. Yeah, you know my my pushback on you is <clears throat> I I have eaten in your home a couple of times, and I remember those moments. I remember them with affection and gratitude, and and tenderness is that sitting
0: at your table with Mary Lou and with Penny is,
3: is a special thing for me as your pastor and your friend, you know, it is, you know, cause I haven't had meals at everybody's table uh, even in this group, you know, I've, I've had it with you. And, and I think too, we've played golf and what's the next thing we do? We we get something to drink and something to eat, and and then we talk about whatever happened and mess with each other some, or tell jokes or laugh or do something. But we had a table fellowship, and you know. And I think I think one of the functions of relationship is a time spent and B,
0: experiences shared. And, and I have to tell you, Angelo, one, one of
3: the boasts that I've heard you make that I've not yet lived to see you actually perform, but that you say you can perform is that you can walk into somebody's kitchen, open their refrigerator and make a meal. That you, you could do that. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things that Penny and I often have is, what's the dinner plan? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. And but I, you know, whenever I have that conversation after I've had that conversation with you, as I said, you know, if Angelo walked over and he opened our refrigerator, he could put something together that would amaze us, because you're the little Italian. How is that spiritual? Oh, That's it's very spiritual. How is it spiritual? It's creative. It is it is relational. It is, I think, filled with a sense of of wonder and possibility that is kind of inherent in our faith. Is that you know one of the things that we We're taught to pray is give us this day our daily bread. But you have the ability to look into a refrigerator and see ingredients and make a meal, which is exactly what he's talking about here. He took what they gave him and he made a meal. And everybody from that day to this remembers that meal the same thing is if you have people in your home at your table whether you have pulled off sort of the wonder of creation out of the random random things in the refrigerator or whether you have planned a specific menu and purchased the ingredients and prepared it just the way you anticipated in either case it's an occasion it's an occasion to be together. It's an occasion to experience the goodness of God, to experience community, to over, over a meal, to share stories and to experience something together and to leave different than you came. So, so
4: somehow it is more spiritual than being at the beach together or taking the drive together
3: or playing golf together? Um, Not necessarily, but I think it, it does. The thing that sitting together at a table does is that it gives you relaxed time to, to tell stories and maybe to process what you have earlier experienced. You know, on thir and thirteen, you hit an amazing shot. You know, you put it six feet from the pin and, and you you hit that wood unbelievably. Now we may have had may have just stunk up the course the rest of the day, but that shot was amazing. And and so we talk about it.
4: So, so I'm sorry, uh, so should we be encouraging? Now, now let's move to today. Okay. So should we be encouraging people to have meals together for kingdom purposes, not for for kingdom purposes? Should we, as Christians and and as people who are looking to have some uh, some some leadership role perhaps, okay? Should we be encouraging meals together? Should we I mean is that something we should do? Because yeah, there's something special about it.
3: There's something special about it. That's right. Yeah, because you don't just you don't just ask anybody to your help. You know, you, you make you know, if you if you select somebody to invite them, that's a huge honor to them. That that's a, okay. So that
4: that um that I buy. I mean, I might invite somebody to play golf with me that I would never invite to my house.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Okay,
4: so so that's that's there's 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 something about inviting people for a meal that makes it special. I'm I'm, I'm off the point, but but. Um, but you know, in one of the classes I did with Suds, they talk
0: about, you know, the, the the first step in, in 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 bringing somebody into the kingdom is is to make them trust you. Yes. And in order to make them trust you, you got to be friends, kind of. You know, I mean, you got to have
4: you got to have something there. Yeah. And maybe the process of sharing meals. Uh... Well, if you look at Scripture, I mean,
2: how many so much of. Jesus' interaction with people was at a meal. Yes. He got in trouble with people, but, you know, he was at a meal over mm-hmm. and over again. Not just the things we talked about today, but with the, uh, when Mary anointed him, I mean, over and over, he was at a meal.
0: That's
2: he right. At house, he went to the, uh, did he have a meal with Matthew? I mean, uh, over and over. Uh, so he had meal fellowships. Yes, that's
3: right. that's right. So, so
4: so there's a significance of uh, of pentecost when people then started sharing of meals yes huh? um, let's see so they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer yes everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day they continued to meet together they broke bread in their homes and ate together with
3: glad and sincere hearts yeah and and that was, you know, that was a reflection of what God said he would do with Israel when he planted them on the hills of Judea and Samaria, is that he would sustain them in a place that was not sort of inclined to sustain them. It was dependent on getting the early and the late rains. If it didn't rain at the right time, then they wouldn't get the crops, and so you know it was an easier place to be down in the valleys, like Lot took, and left the hill country to Abram, uh, like the Philistines had on the plain, but they continued to want to expand up the valleys. That's was a, a rich place too. So, you know, I think, I think that sense of, of providing. Uh, providing a meal fellowship, uh, is, is a, is a way to open a door and it also extends acceptance and welcome to people without condition. You know, you, they've already met the condition you've invited them to your house or invited them to a restaurant, uh, that if you, if you're willing to spend an evening with them, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, I, I think about I think about the general inviting me to, to lunch at the yacht club and and giving his military assessment uh, to a whole room full of people. But I gotta tell you that walking in and sitting at the table with the man felt like a like a good thing to me. You know, I was I was the general's pastor. You know, it was good to be me that day. <laughs> it was good to be the
1: general that day, too. for going with him. <laughs> so I'm, learning, I'm learning something here.
4: Um, uh, I mean, I, 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 like, like everybody here, I'm sure, and I know for sure with Vicki, um, we talk to friends who are non-Christians. Yeah. Okay. And some of these people are friends. Yeah, I mean, they're more—they're more than acquaintances, you know. Um, some of them, I've never had to my house for dinner. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm just wondering if that's just—just just wondering if that's something that should be done more often. I don't know. It's yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a little nothing, but, but
3: no, I think the big deal actually is. You know, if you if you get to the Arkadopani house, that that's a good day, buddy. <laughs> Especially sitting with Mary Lou. You know, if you get to have dinner with Mary Lou, that's that's top drawer. Yeah.
1: By the way, does Mary Lou know about this talent of yours that you can make a meal out of anything in a refrigerator? Because if she doesn't I'm gonna tell her.
4: <laughs> and you may be he, on tonight. She does know, but nonetheless she's still sometimes reluctant. I can make a meal, but well, you know, how about the taste of it? Uh, but you know, you can, you can, you can do it. Yeah. Well I got. Sorry about that, guys. You know, I mean, I just it's it's been so, um, uh, uh, so much discussed in, the, in things in the church, at least the stuff I've been involved in. You know, I mean, well, we should have meals, and we should do this, and we should do that, and I've always said, eh, eh, you know, eh, it's, it's Another
3: time, another place. Um, anyway, but since we've gone down this road, I enough. I, I got a new. I got a new fish recipe. Ooh, I'm oh, interested. Yeah. Share it. Uh, yeah, yeah. it. Well, what what we have done is that we have uh, we have pan fried a white fish. We rolled it in. Kind of dusted it in flour, dipped it in in egg and milk or egg and water or egg and mayonnaise beaten up and then dipped it in Italian breadcrumbs and fried right. it gently in olive oil and then taken it aside. But in another pot, we made a peach or a mango or a nectarine chutney with, with apple cider vinegar and brown sugar and raisins and oh, oh. or something like that and ginger and something else. Maybe a little bit of, a little bit of salt and you, you kind of boil it and make a syrup and then you put in, oh, an onion and you, right. and you kind of do that for like 10 minutes simmering and then you put the peaches in at the end and then you let it sit. But you kind of, you put that over the fish. So you got a little bit of the salty fish with the sweet chutney. It's a beautiful thing. Wow, that's complicated. It's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to send that recipe because I'm not one that can, you know, well, you just, do just this. Have just have over He, he can, can, can make, make it, it right. teaspoon of this, teaspoon of that. Yeah, That just, sounds good. Just have Angelo over he can figure it out he'll look in my fridge and do it he's the man
4: <laughs> I, I never I never measure anything
1: no, <laughs> that's because you're a true cook yeah,
3: well, but, but again if if you fix that you're going to think I... of, if you fix that you're going to think of me you're going to remember where you heard the recipe
4: well you better send it to us you better send it that... Complicated though—that's more complicated than what I do. Oh no, no, it's—it's no. oh, yeah. it's not. It's not. But anyway, so, so that I
3: think we are at bless, are we not? We did. Yeah. To... yeah. So now we're at bless. What we offer to Jesus, Jesus offers to God with thanksgiving. The Eucharist means thanksgiving. You've heard me say that in church. Eucharisto is the verb, to bless or to thank. He doesn't examine it for flaws, doesn't evaluate and appraise it, criticize or reject our offerings. Quote, two fish? Is that all you could come up with? We can't imagine Jesus saying anything like that. He prays these offerings and the lives that back them up, offering what we offer to the Father. The words that Jesus used in the blessing are not recorded for us. It is likely that it was a simple table blessing. Thanks for the meal that had been set on the table, a prayer common at meals in the Judaism of his day and not unlike Prayers that we and our children offer at our breakfasts, lunches, and suppers. Just like Sarah's prayer. But as Christians have continued to eat this supper as a focused act of worship, the Eucharistic prayer, the thanksgiving, the blessing has been elaborated and expanded to include thanksgiving for creation. Thanksgiving for incarnation, Thanksgiving for redemption, a rehearsal of Jesus' words instituting and commanding the keeping of the ritual, consecration of the bread and wine, prayer for the effects of communion, and at the conclusion, a doxology and the Lord's Prayer. The entire meaning of the Eucharist as it comprises Jesus' life and our lives, is compressed into the prayer. There is more. At the supper with his disciples, Jesus prayed the blessing over the meal. He told them plainly that this meal of bread and wine was at the same time, in some way or other, he didn't explain, his life, his flesh and blood. And that as they continued to eat and drink this meal, they would be receiving him. The next day, this flesh and blood was offered up on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins and became our salvation. The cross on Golgotha was the altar of salvation on which
0: Jesus was sacrificed. Jesus is both the
3: sacrifice and the priest who offers the sacrifice. That sacrifice accomplished our salvation. This is the act that centers and defines all of history. Let me pause there for a second. Um, Again, do you remember how the Passover Seder was supposed to begin? Yes, tell me, I don't know what I can, but it was with the youngest child, you go man, you're after it. And, and the
2: youngest child, why is this day different than others? Right?
3: right. Why it, is this? Why is this night different from every other night? Because right. again, happens at night.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And and what happens that night is after they eat the meal, what do they do? Hi Taylor. That's right. They, they leave and they leave. They, they leave with what? With, uh, Unloving. with, with, with the
4: right. fortune that with, a, with, with half the fortune of, of uh, Egypt.
3: Yep. And, and they leave, what are they, what are they carrying? Are they carrying furniture?
2: Uh, they're bread bowls and unleavened bread.
3: Yeah they're, yeah, they're just carrying basically the clothes on their back, the sandals on their feet, the staff in their hand, and 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 they're walking out of slavery, and nobody opposes them because of the power of God. He delivers them from slavery to freedom by his power without firing a shot. And that they willingly give the gold of Egypt to the slaves that are departing. I mean, it's an unbelievable story. It's like, you know, if you'd have told Pharaoh ahead of time, you know, a day is going to come soon when you're going to give us half of your money. You're going to let us just walk out of here without any opposition whatsoever. And and we're going to just leave and and you know and pharaoh would have gone i don't know what you're smoking but give me some you know i you guys you guys are out of your cotton picking minds and so but that's exactly what happens that's what god promised moses at mount sinai in the burning bush and that's exactly what he delivers and then after they leave the mightiest man on earth decides he's made a horrible mistake and sends the army after them and traps them against the sea. And, and how is it they don't destroy him that night?
2: Pillar of fire.
3: Exactly. God stands between them in the pillar of fire. So they dare not attack them in the darkness. And then opens the way before them through the sea, and they walk across as on dry land. And the Egyptians, watching them go, say, we got to go after them. That's our money. Those are our slaves. And, And in they go, and they never come out. God closes the water over the armies of Egypt, and he says, you'll never see these Egyptians again. And they come out the other side with Egypt's wealth that they had earned and make their way onto the Negev and ultimately send the spies out to spy out the land that God promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, again, the context for us is that the Lord's Supper is given in the meal that remembers that night. That night that is different from every other night when they leave Egypt. And, and it tells Israel that they're not like anybody else. They are the people that God intervened in history to rescue. And their existence is inexplicable apart from what they're remembering as they eat that meal. And the same thing is true of you and me. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, it tells us who we are, and it tells us whose we are, and it tells us how we got to be whose we are. So, and and the other thing that it does is that it demonstrates God's faithfulness from the first time we ate the bread to the present time we ate the bread. Is that just like the manna in the wilderness, God had walked with us and provided for us all the way to today, that wherever he entered our life story so that we knew he was there. He has walked with us and provided for us all the way to the present day. And, and what's the promise for tomorrow? he will be there. That's it. That's it. So we eat this meal. Not only with gratitude, but also with hope. So, what does it mean we should do in the present? Live for God. That's it. That's it. So, it talks about the past, it promises the future, and it calls us to faithfulness in the present. So, okay, we got our last paragraph here, yeah, and then. And that faithfulness,
4: again, as, as we talked about last night uh, in our Bible study, uh, means repentance. But repentance, the, the
0: way I put it, Vicki, and the way I remember or say repentance has two
4: aspects to it. It's not only stop being bad, but start being good.
1: Well, it's say you're sorry and act like it. You know? There you go.
4: That's what you said last night. Say so you're sorry and act like it.
3: Right? <laughs> I
4: love that expression.
3: All right. That's right. Well, it, it kind of, it kind of works in marriage, doesn't it? <clears throat> yeah. It
4: <laughs> works everywhere.
3: Yeah. If you say you're sorry, but you don't act like it, it's probably not going to get a lot better. But if you say you're sorry and you act like it, life goes forward. Yep. So, but. Even if you act better, but you don't say you're sorry, it's still a problem. Got to do both, huh? I do both. So here we are. And so, when the Eucharist is enacted in our common worship, we understand that this same Jesus, the Jesus who is the Word of Creation, Incarnation, and Redemption, who offered Himself up, quote. This is from the Book of Common Prayer, a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, unquote, includes us in the offering. Our bodies presented as a living sacrifice, Romans 12:1. Our flesh and blood saved by his flesh and blood that the, quote, the bread which we break May be the communion of the body of Christ and the cup of blessing which we bless, the communion of the blood of Christ, end quote. It is not just the Last Supper that the Eucharist represents before God, but as Dix writes, quote, the sacrifice of Christ in his death and resurrection, and it makes this, quote, present and operative but its effects in the communicants, the people who take it. This prayer of blessing gathers all of us and everything we are into everything that Christ is and does for us. And I think that's where we'll stop. So, I think this is a a chapter or